everybody, and welcome, welcome, welcome to another edition of Our Baseball Weekly. It's episode 53, and this is the weekly podcast from the Baseball Subreddit. My name is Maz, and today I'm joined by Lewis and Shane to talk about the little bit of news we've got from this holiday weekend. It's it's a rough week, but we're going to make it entertaining as best we can. And we're also going to go over another yearly tradition, Festivus Holiday Grievances. But, of course, before we get to that, we'd like to remind all of our listeners to take about five minutes of your day today. Please fill out a listener survey that's linked in the podcast description, as well as if you're looking at this on the subreddit, it'll be listed in that thread as well. Uh, We just want to know what we do well, what we can do better, and what you, our listeners, want to hear from us more of in the future. So please go ahead, take that survey sometime today. It'll only take a minute or two. And of course, if you have any in-depth suggestions or questions for us, you can always email us at rbaseballweekly at gmail.com. Though with that out of the way, let's welcome Lewis and Shane. How are you two doing today? I am doing all right here, Maz. Thanks for asking. It was a quiet holiday weekend with me and my family here since uh, there are multiple snowstorms blowing across Minnesota, preventing most of our travel. But uh, it's been pretty, pretty quiet here. Uh, Just hoping that this Omicron spike doesn't uh, turn into canceling every sporting event possible. Uh, that I was hoping to enjoy this week. <laughs> well, hockey was already taking a hit, but they're you right? know, coming back in a few days. But yeah, it's rough. How about you, Shane? How are you? Doing all right. Uh, the last time I was on with Lewis, I was making fun of the fact that he was in an awful cold climate, and then I was on the beach, and it was perfect. I have since moved to the mountains, and I'm surrounded currently by a foot of snow outside, so I guess the joke is on me. Well, yeah, I guess I so. Mean, I, I still have the snow, but I don't have the vista, so... Yeah, meanwhile, I'm like, I'm okay in like 40-ish degree weather on Christmas, which, yeah, that's that's fine, right? Yeah, I mean, it's it's a weird world for me as a Southern California boy where you're actually winning there with your 40 degrees. (laughs) I agree. All right, Um, well, hey, before we get into the news, Maz, can I ask our trivia question for today? Yeah, absolutely, go for it. This is a a fun little feature that we've added last week, and uh, I, I... Looked at the question already, and I ooh, I don't know. Go ahead. <laughs> All right. So our trivia question for today, which will be answered later in this segment, is which Hall of Fame reliever finished his playing career playing for the Fukuoka Hawks in Japan? So which Hall of Fame reliever finished his career playing in Japan? This As- question really interests me because Hall of Fame reliever you don't usually see a lot of Hall of Famers have to go finish their career in Japan. Finishing your career in Japan is kind of, at least these days, a symbol of a guy who was, you know, maybe a quadruple A player or was good, but is now very much older and kind of over the hill and can't keep up with major league pitching or something like that. So to see, I mean, this is a pitcher in this case, but to see a Hall of Famer who clearly put together an amazing career, as we will eventually hear, I don't know who it is, but the idea of, Going over to end your career in Japan after what was probably plenty in the majors is really interesting to me, really throwing me off. Yeah, same here, especially you said it's a Hall of Fame reliever. I mean, our options aren't really vast for that. I mean, there's only, I what, six relievers, seven relievers in the Hall of Fame right now? So... <laughs> Yeah, uh, there there are not that many. It very much uh, closes out your 
your options. Um, I mean, I, I know will... it, you know, to keep it easy, I know it ain't Mariano. So, you know, there's one. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it ain't, I don't believe it's Dave. Uh, oh, I almost said David Eckstein. Um... Oh, I, I need <laughs> to correct something in the question, though. I, I need oh. to correct something. Okay. Um, it's, uh, it said, uh, it, the question said, finished his career. He did not finish his career there. But he did think he was going to finish his career there. There, there was a oh. point where it looked like it. He did come okay. back. Um, oh, boy, now he, I'm in a pretzel. Got to, <laughs> got to play in Japan for a year near the end of his career there. Hmm. So. Yeah, all right. I don't, so I don't know. I'm beat. We'll figure it out later, I guess, right? Yeah, we, we'll answer that later. I don't know if that uh, helps anyone at home knowing that he did come back. But, yeah, Hall of Fame reliever. Uh, played for a year near the end of his career in Japan. Coming back from a year in Japan almost makes it more intriguing, in my mind. I know. Like, it's not like he just couldn't stop playing baseball and went to play. Like There was still some gas left in the tank and went and played a year there. So, Prodigal son returns. Uh, there we go. All right. I guess uh, let's, uh, let's get, get on to, the to news. some news. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I guess the first thing that we're going to cover this week, which was a, a bit of breaking news, it just happened this week, um, so you might have missed it with the holidays. David Blitzer, who is already part owner of the Philadelphia 76ers of the NBA and the New Jersey Devils of the NHL, is apparently nearing a deal to acquire a significant minority stake in the Cleveland Guardians of Major League Baseball. Um, I have no idea who this guy is, but he's kind of got his toes in everything, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah. I'd, I'd say that uh, getting normally this would not be newsworthy because it's a minority stake. Um, but, you know, it's the dead of winter. There's a lockout going on and there's not much else to talk about. Uh, and I think Shane has been spending the entire week going back o- over Blitzer's life story and, and has Absolutely. some fun info for us here. I'm oh basically ready to write David Blitzer's biography. Uh, <laughs> if, if any of you know him, please send him my way. I'd be, I'd be honored to do so. But yeah, this guy's whole deal is he's makes his money off of investing in teams. He's part of a management firm. That, that's what they do. He's part of, you mentioned the 76ers and the NBA the Devils and the NHL. He also is a minority owner of Crystal Palace in the Premier League, Augsburg in Bundesliga, uh, Vosland Befferin in the Belgian Soccer League, uh, the Scranton Rail Riders, who are the Yankees' AAA affiliate. And he is also, even in the esports world, he is the owner of Dignitas. Dignitas, that was uh, when I was actually following Professional League of Legends. That was my favorite team for a while because they had Skara uh, on the mid lane. Uh, if you never played League of Legends, good I for you. No idea That's what probably this means, a oh boy. positive thing for your life if you've never um, been in the toxicity <laughs> that is League of Legends. But um, that that was uh, I, I enjoyed that team. So good good to hear that the well, owner of Dignitas. <laughs> Yeah, I did. Was never for the owners. That's the fun thing about esports <laughs> is uh, it's interesting. You know, a lot of um, you, you talk about cheering for laundry with esports. <laughs> it's pretty much all about the players. Like people change fandoms pretty quickly when uh, players move from one team to another. So uh, that sounds awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You can just pick up whatever team's got the best player. It's like NBA fandom. You, you just pick wherever <laughs> LeBron goes. Uh, oh, no. <laughs> but without the shame. Without the shame. Right. There's no shame in it. 
<laughs> no one cares. Dignitas isn't in your city, so... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> That's the way it should be. And one thing else that I also wanted to mention is I think it's perfect that a guy who's made his career making money off of sports teams would choose the Cleveland Guardians, of all places, to make his money because he knows that they don't spend any money in Cleveland. And that leads me to my mini trivia question for you guys. Ooh, the largest free agent contract in the history of the Cleveland baseball franchise was signed in 2016 after the 2016 season. Do you know who it was? Uh, Free agent contracts or not extension or anything? The largest free agent contract in Cleveland history. It will end if you can guess the amount that it was for and how long it was. Oh boy! Is it someone who is still on the team? No, this player Probably is not. no longer an active major leaguer. Hmm. Was it? Oh shoot! So big bopper. Oh, okay. Well, Victor... that... No, wait. He wasn't. <laughs> he was never no, no, definitely. Not. So I was thinking for a second. I thought it was going to be hilarious and be like Andrew Miller, but he got he got traded no that, he got traded there from new york that is a new yankees Yorker. yeah that would be quite embarrassing but <laughs> and that's is... why i thought that was perfect it, it just being an embarrassing uh signing there it's still plenty embarrassing because i will let it out of the bag it's edwin incarnacion which is fine <laughs> okay that makes sense. three years 60 million hmm. that's the, the largest biggest... deal in cleveland history is Three years, sixty million, and the best part is they traded him halfway through the second season anyway. So they only ended up paying him like thirty million. Well, they don't spend any money there. So yeah, at least, David Blitzer, at least it's I a... hope that your gains are great. See, at least it's a recent one. I was almost expecting it to be from like the nineties, like some random nineties signing that is still the largest in, in history. I I also <laughs> love with how... the way player salaries have exploded in that's the past true. couple of years. I think that's just kind of par for the course that it had to have been recent. They had to have done literally something, right? Yeah. Yeah. I, I also you, think you it's... overestimate them, I think. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. I also think it's hilarious that a guy whose last name is Blitzer is uh, not involved in any football teams, which everything but football. He, he oh. can't because the NFL doesn't let you uh, own stake in any other. Hey, maybe major he North owns American a couple franchises. of those like, little stupid Packers things that don't actually oh. give you any ownership. He That's might be a true. Packer fan. You're right. <laughs> just yeah. just for the fun of it. That that sounds like something that if I was the part owner of a bunch of teams, I would totally just go buy a piece of the Packers. I mean, my sister-in-law is part owner of the Packers yeah, uh, with yeah. her one little sheet of paper. So then you could just say you have ownership of all those. You could put I, that on your resume. It's like buying a Sealand uh, title. Like you just write Absolutely. Duke of Sealand on there. Duke of Sealand, 2006 time person of the year and part owner of the Green Bay Packers. There we go. It's all there. <laughs> hilarious that we're, we're not really talking much about like the implications of what this means for for the guardians it, I mean, it's just because a fun it story. doesn't really mean anything what <laughs> if david is just are. really passionate about labor negotiations and he just <laughs> wants to get in on those when they start <laughs> that's true oh uh, all right uh ooh, so here's some some uh news from the week probably the most important actual news from the week yeah. Um, because everything else is very minor. We just talked about something that has very little implications. Uh, the big one is that uh, Major League Baseball has been hit with a lawsuit 
uh, that seems to intend to eliminate its antitrust exemption. The lawsuit stems from MLB's controversial takeover uh, of the minor leagues and is brought by four four minor league teams that were eliminated from the minors in the takeover. So... uh, Mm there's that that's that's an interesting storyline to follow i think that's awesome um i think it's something that everybody has been talking about that needs to end at some point um for major league baseball so i i think it's a good thing that it's finally you know these teams are no longer in minor league baseball so it stinks that they've already been axed but you know if they're going to be the ones that you know sue mlb and stand up to them that's i think this is a, a plus overall i feel like this is a a regular part of the slow news cycle in the offseason is the antitrust stuff or other things related to the the bigger legal aspect of baseball and i just it's i I think it's too big to for anything significant to really be done but with all that being said what happened to the minor leagues was a perfect storm of bad uh, you know, COVID destroying attendance and everything local, which is such a big part of what actually keeps the minor league machine moving. Um, and then it gave the league the perfect opportunity to go in and constrict the minors with, by the way, the worst part is the fact that they didn't even think of any creative branding whatsoever for their new minors. Triple A East, Triple A yeah. West. Just strip it of all personality. So my conspiracy yeah. theory is uh, they stripped away Pacific Coast League in case they want to do some radical realignment and uh, put all like the like if they put all of the Wests, both West divisions in the same league or a lot of it after expansion, then they can call that the Pacific Coast League if they split into like or oh boy, you just made some historian league. somewhere facepalm really hard. Uh, it would be it'd be kind of funny. To be honest, <laughs> it the, would be the, at a Pacific Coast League in addition to the Central League and the net like the American League and National League would be like the two East Coast leagues, and then they just add Pacific Coast League and like Central League for the Midwest because that's that's their creativity with uh, naming anywhere outside of the Eastern Seaboard. Brilliant. Yeah, for as much as I I talked it up. In my initial comments, they, I think there is nothing that's going to come of this, right? I mean, uh, the it it appears that the Supreme Court basically, whenever this comes up, they say, well, if Congress wanted to change this by now, they could have. So we'll just stick with the old precedent that our predecessors have set. And Congress can strike it down anytime they want, because we said Congress can strike it down whenever they want. <laughs> almost a hundred years ago so yeah um yeah uh and i think we'll get into the minor league stuff a little bit with the grievances so let's uh let's oh, just yes. let's just keep rolling rolling through here uh the last two things which are so so minor before we get to our airing of grievances just real quick for i want shane's take on this uh cody bellinger and the dodgers apparently agreed to their arbitration before the lockout and no one decided to report it until now like almost a full month had passed and someone was like hey did did bellinger ever do anything oh yeah we got that done months ago what uh okay let's report it <laughs> i guess is that how you much gotta, people you care about up, right bellinger <laughs> 
but with this my question for you guys is because here's the thing about this is yeah it's it's 17 million dollars for a guy who had a 45 ops plus last season but the reality is player money pretty much never goes down in successive arbitration years so this was just kind of a move that had to happen you don't want to go into the lockout dealing with you probably as a as a front office you want the least number of question marks going on going into the lockout as possible i would assume easy to lock him up but what really makes me think is this is the last year of team control for cody bellinger and the dodgers what do you make of him if you're andrew friedman what do you make of his value i mean you have to realize that he just came off of a postseason where he hit over 300 and put up an ops of over 900 so we've still seen flashes of of what he's capable of and even though that 8.6 8.6 war, over 1,000 OPS, Gold Glove MVP season feels really far away. You know, he's a feel-based hitter. It's not like there's some sort of, you know, weird injury like we talk about with Chris Yelich's knee, for example. Like, maybe that's what has permanently changed him, that he'll never be able to be the hitter that he once was. I don't see that in Cody Bellinger. I see maybe an adjustment with the shoulder. But if you're not going to pay him, and you're sitting at there one year left, he has value to somebody. What do you do if you're Andrew Friedman? Do you just hope that you'll get some semblance of your MVP back because you know no one's going to pay you that and you don't want to see him slip away as that? What are, what's the plan of action? Because I, I don't know what it is. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I, I feel like, like you said, he has the potential. He was rehabbing from an injury, um, which is the irony of injuring yourself celebrating in the world series and then it derailing your next couple seasons. Um, but I mean, he's, he's got it. Like you said, in the playoffs, uh, I mean, no one he wanted hit to pitch to him. Yes. Like by the, by the end of the playoffs, teams didn't want to pitch to him. Um, at the beginning, they, they thought they did. And then he came through and, uh, yeah. So I, I he's got that value. Um, there's no way you trade him or let him walk at this point because that'd be selling low, and uh, Andrew Friedman never sells low. Um, I don't what think what kind really of contract is it? I mean, obviously this year will be huge in determining that. But oh, it's definitely if... it's just going to come down to to what this is. Um, I think if he comes back in his MVP form, you got to pay him like an MVP because I mean he did have the, the shoulder injury. He, you've got your reason for why. He didn't perform, and if you don't pay him, someone else is going to pay him, and uh, he's going to get paid if he has another MVP season. If it's another down year, um, I think you basically pay him whatever this season dictates because the MVP seasons a couple years ago, the injury-riddled seasons were more recent, and whatever he is this year is basically his long-term statement where he's going to be. There's not much else he can go on, I guess. Um, he has a nice built-in floor with his defense I mean he's already won a gold glove in the outfield he was always expected to be a a perennial gold glove candidate at first base Uh, so the idea of the defensive versatility is still there he's very good there he's always going to have he's going to be playable as long as he finds some semblance of the bat which we saw him start to do towards the end of the year which I truly believe but I don't know. I think it'll be a huge piece of determining what the Dodgers season looks like next year, especially with whatever ends up happening with starting pitching. That 
amount of production. That's a 10 war swing that they had with Cody Bellinger from yeah. 8.6 war in his MVP season to negative one and a half war this last year. That's a giant, that's a 10 win swing. So well, it's, it's all never, about determining. It's never a good thing when Albert Pujols puts up more than you. Oh, yeah. no. How yeah, would you state I mean, that? He put up almost twice as much because he was only at negative 0.6. Like, <laughs> is that what if you, okay, if you separate, genuine question, if you separate the Angel time from the Dodger time? <laughs> uh, if you separate Angel time from Dodger time, uh, he was worth 0.1 with the Dodgers. Hell yeah, he was. Uh, so that's positive. That's which, what I'm talking about. Which, if he Still comes back. It. For one more season, I just need him to get point four baseball reference wins above replacement to get back to that hundred club. Um, but anyway, he still hits over yeah. nine hundred OPS against lefties. Just stick him as a DH. Only let him see lefties. Let yeah. him get the seven hundred. Let him get. Just let him have it all, and ride off into the sunset, and we all live happily ever after. <laughs> I think a lot of people would be against that, honestly. <laughs> Okay, well, I think that sounds great for him. I got one more thing in here, but we'll we'll uh, hit it with the grievances because um, that's it's going to come up there too, and uh, we can talk about that. So, uh, nine. This is the timestamp. If you're if you're going to set a timestamp here, let's get into this. Last year, Maz, did you we, join? We are. Uh, last year? I think I was in it for last year. And also and speaking Andy. of. Speaking of timestamps, we're at 21 minutes, almost exactly right. right now. So perfect, perfect. We are we are doing well then. Yeah, um, I, I did do it last year with with Andy. I, forget. I know oh, it was yeah? with okay. Andy. Yeah. Okay. I, I I knew it was our our Yankees uh, Yankees fan and one of our Mets fans, and I couldn't okay. remember if it was Martin. So <laughs> yeah, I appreciate sure it was me. <laughs> so uh, our annual Festivus airing of grievances. If you were not here for like episode two or three last year when we did this, it's pretty simple. Uh, we go through some of the grievances aired on the subreddit on the Festivus thread. And if you don't know what Festivus is, go look look up the Seinfeld episode. It's great. Um, but uh, we go through what these grievances were, and then we decide if these these are actual grievances or if these are things that should not be grievances. And thumbs down, our grievance is that you had the gall to call this grievance-worthy. And then we get to air that. Does that sound fun to you guys? That sound good? Woo! It was fun last year. It'll be fun this year, I'm sure. All right, so here is the first one, because I wanted to start with one that I wanted to hear your opinions on before I really went into my thought on this. The first grievance comes from uh, user Submarine Sandwiches, who is a Brewers fan. And uh, I'm going to direct this first one at Shane, because I want to know what Shane's opinion is right away on this one. Uh, Absolutely. the, The grievances... Baseball managers and coaches wearing uniforms like the players is one of the silliest things in sports. That's their grievance. What do you think of that grievance, Shane? Okay, here's the thing. Silliest, I agree with. But the best thing ever, also, I agree with. I think that every sport should have the manager or head coach have to wear the same thing. I want to see Bill Belichick in full pads. I want to see everybody. I want to see Mike D'Antoni wearing tiny little shorts. I want all of it. I want every coach to have to dress up like the players because it is silly and it's dopey and it's hilarious and it's entertaining, you know, emasculate yourself a little bit, but it's, it's for the team. 
have that much of a problem with it. Um, I would calling it silly. I don't know, mostly because most managers look pretty okay, like in a baseball uniform. I don't know if that's a crazy thing to say. Um, so I, you know, if you say it sound, it looks silly. Eh, not not so much. It just looks natural. Only way I would be for getting rid of it is if they had to wear suits, just like Connie Mack, because then that would be I'd be all for that as well. But I'm okay with how it is now too. So who knows? See, I I'm kind of against the suits just because it seems so out of place. First of all, it seems out of place in the modern game in the outdoor setting when no one else is wearing suits. Yeah, that um, is true. People in the stands it, were wearing suits back then. I think it worked for Connie Mack because that was the air that he was giving off. Like, I am the owner and manager. I am the team. And uh, that that's just who he was. Um, I think... I am a professional. <laughs> I am 100% with Shane on this one. This is a terrible grievance. I have a grievance yeah. that anyone thought that this was a grievance. I agree managers should wear the uniform have some camaraderie with your players also it helps that baseball has probably the most natural looking like uniform especially the uniform top like definitely i mean hockey sweaters are pretty nice but you wear a football jersey without pads kind of looks stupid and Ooh, yeah growing you men... like you're wearing your dad's shirt yeah, and grown men should not wear basketball jerseys without something underneath it. And then usually it's those rich people that you see courtside seats with like dress shirts underneath a basketball jersey. You want to talk about uh, things that look silly? That looks silly. Much sillier than a grown man wearing a baseball jersey in a dugout. So it doesn't it doesn't hurt that baseball uniforms are basically like dress pants and a short sleeve button up shirt. It works so well. They are yeah, really it works. Well. And they're comfortable. And True. Uh, it, some people think you can improve them by help making them breathe more um, by switching out the fabric type. But I think they're fine the way they are. Speaking of Seinfeld. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, let's, uh, let's skip ahead. Here's our next one. Uh, people on this subreddit, BillyBones844 writes... Only love and idolize certain teams because they are losers and franchises. Uh, Maz, I'll let you weigh in on this one because this guy had a Dodgers flair, and I feel like Shane would be a little biased. (laughs) Oh, joy. You you went to me, speaking as someone who's a a fan of a loser, crappy franchise. (laughs) Awesome. Thanks. Um, I don't know. Idolize certain teams. What does that mean? Idolize certain teams. Like who idolizes like the Mets? I think a lot of people laugh at them. Uh, nobody idolizes the Pirates, the Marlins, the Orioles. Like, yeah, okay, we don't the Mariners though. I think. I think the Mariners get a lot of love, disproportionate to their actual ability or whatever. However, you interpret this question or this grievance, they get a lot of pop. It's true. Okay. Okay. So there's the Marlins. Uh, so, Mariners and what else? Let's see. <laughs> I feel like some of this Mariners pop is still some like um, residual goodwill from everyone who grew up watching Ken Griffey Jr. and Ichiro Definitely. on the Mariners. And Those then people also, are getting older, so yeah. And also uh, the wonderful documentary on the history of the Seattle Mariners. Absolutely, mm. that is I, true. And also, I mean. 
I don't think they're idolized. I think everyone loves a good underdog. Um, Mm -hmm. And with the Mariners in particular, I have a soft spot for them because they tried. Like, the reason they're in this situation is because they just kept trying. (laughs) They weren't going and tanking. They weren't purposefully losing. They weren't trading off everyone. They were signing random mid to high tier free agents and it just never worked out for them. They were trying so hard this whole time and it just never worked out for them. So, no, I don't think that they are a crappy franchise. I just think they were trying so hard and the market was not made for them to try hard. Yeah, sorry, Billy Bones. Uh, I think this is gets a thumbs down from from everybody here. I'm sorry. Yes. I feel I feel where you're coming from, but you know. Okay. Yeah, it's All in right. there. We'll, the tremors. We'll, we'll give him that. <laughs> All right. Uh, back to uh, back to this one. So this one requires a little bit of context, I guess. Um, so we might have to go into that. Uh, this one comes from Pizza Jana, who is a Rays fan. Um, the grievance, this grievance is very specific. This grievance is with Alex Verdugo. That guy is so soft. He sees Randy eating popcorn in the dugout and throws a fit about it. Meanwhile, Cespedes Family Barbecue on Twitter did a whole thing where they looked through the trash in Boston's dugout in the ALCS, and there were plenty of snacks there. Sorry our team knows how to have fun and relax. Go shove a cucumber up your butt to help you loosen up. I was waiting for you to say that. (laughs) I was so looking forward to it. (laughs) So uh, this little bit of context that uh, I feel like needs to be added, um, because there was the popcorn quote, but uh, part of it was that the Rays had champagne on ice after game two and had ordered it uh, before game three, and that kind of sparked the uh, Red Sox ire a little isn't bit. Isn't that literal clubhouse logistics? Like, isn't that just some guy's job so who that's... needs to get the champagne ready? I think so. I, so I think so. on that guy? He's just doing his part. He's right? doing his best. Yeah. I would there's think a, so. Yeah, there's a lot of angsty, like, I don't like this other rival team in this in this grievance for me, Mr. Pizza Jonah. Uh, I, I love Alex Verdugo as a former Dodger, and I think that everyone in the in the Red Sox fan group really loves Alex Verdugo. I think he's a fan favorite for when he's with your team because he's a super emotive guy. And I think that often is what makes you a target to a lot of fans when you're a player. If you have a lot of emotion, if you really do express yourself, is you're going to do something against someone's favorite team that they're not going to like, and then they're going to decide that you're, you know, the devil. But it's that's part of it. That's good. That's what we want. I'm sure there's people who hate uh, Fernando Tatis Jr. for being really expressive, not in, you know, the core group of baseball fans that we like to talk about. But when you are expressive, people are going to get mad. But that's okay because that's what we want. Right. So, So I guess when it comes down to it, what do you feel about the actual grievance against Verdugo that he was being soft? The popcorn incident? About the popcorn and champagne. Yeah, what, 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 is, what is your feeling on uh, this rage at Verdugo's rage? I think the rage is soft. You think the rage at Verdugo's rage is soft? That's what I think. See, I feel like it's a it's an okay grievance against the grievous because getting mad at logistics is silly. Right? <laughs> of course they're gonna have. Of course, grievance on a grievance. Like, yeah, that's that's pretty soft. 
to be mad about someone having uh, champagne on ice in case you clinch because you could clinch. I mean, that that's just what you do. Like, moral oh, of the story is drink your champagne. I got so mad at that guy for hitting that home run against me. Like, no, that's soft getting mad at someone for hitting a home run. I guess use what you need for your bulletin board material, but come on. And eat whatever you popcorn you want. Mad. You can always be mad about a guy hitting a home run on your team. I still don't like Connor Gillespie. <laughs> Oh, uh, all right. So, uh, I guess, um, I guess I don't know what our, our, cons- I don't think we have a consensus on whether this grievance is, uh, an okay grievance to have, or, uh, we should have a grievance against this grievance, which would make it a grievance against the grievance for having a grievance. I just want to file the most complicated grievance possible. No, I, you're allowed I just... to be mad about stuff if you're a fan. That's not, it's a valid grievance. Oh, Being okay. mad about dumb things like this about a player on a rival team like that's all it's part of the experience you're fine okay. pizza jonah okay I, I, I just want us to stop saying grievance 10 times a second but it's so much fun i have all a grievance right. next, saying that next one <laughs> the next one is the the shortest grievance uh see i said it again the shortest one on the list because i'm gonna switch up the order here uh this one comes from spicy chicken sandwich no vowels uh, who has Orioles flair. I feel like that's important. And the grievance is simply Orioles. Ballad I'm going to go out on a limb and say not a grievance <gasps> because oh. they're trying. Unlike other tanked teams, the Orioles are trying. They have some good draft choices from the last couple years. They have Cedric Mullins, who you can build around. Their pitching is already, like, okay. So, you know... I don't think it's a valid grievance just to say Orioles, you know, like you're the Pirates or you're like, uh, you know, Rangers before this last year or something like that. So, hey, that's just my hot take. Didn't they go under slot in the draft again and then not use the extra slot money? Yes, they did. That makes me angry. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. That's all. Semi-valid. I'm going to say that. Semi-valid grievance. Okay. There we go. All right. Uh, this next one is from Modog1. Unflared, but I'm guessing that this is a Royals fan just based off of the uh, the statement here. And Nime, you better be ready for this one because this is in all caps and I'm saying it. All right. It's, <clears throat> I hate the new KC jerseys. I hate the idea of a downtown stadium. Fuck St. Louis. I mean, I'm with them on the on the St. Louis part. I don't Me like, too. Uh, although that's mostly because of the Cardinals, not because of the actual city. I've never been <laughs> Me there. Me too. But <clears throat> St. Louis is a wonderful city with a wonderful baseball team. F- the haters eat my shorts. Um, I don't know about a new stadium. It's kind of the first I'm hearing about that. But I, I think probably a downtown stadium would probably be not good for the Royals fan base. So I guess I got to agree with them there. Uh, I don't love the uniforms either, but there's worse things to be angry about, in my opinion. Yeah, they're not the flashiest uniforms in the world. They're kind of boring, but like, I don't know. It's the Royals. What's are they? Are they not boring? <laughs> I guess everybody wants them to bring back the baby blue uniforms. I, I mean, you might I as well make, do something to make your team watchable, right? Like I'm poor Whit Merrifield's over there just wasting away. I will say I was I was excited 
because I thought that they would be like a fun, if not a good team, at least a fun team to watch because, well, they were supposed to steal a bunch of bases and, you know, do all sorts of hit and run and fun stuff and all that good stuff. But, you know, at and they did. They did. At the end of the year, they had 124 stolen bases. Next closest was the Padres at 110, much more than the uh, last place Cincinnati Reds, who stole 36 bases all year. That just seems like a very low, as I'm looking at this, 36 just seems, like, hilariously low. Stolen base is dead, man. You've got a team... Stealing 124 bases and one stealing 36. That is absolutely hilarious in my mind. Tells you what that analytics department thinks about the stolen base. Well, at least it's fun to watch. And, uh, come on, aren't stolen bases in the playoffs more fun than not stolen bases in the playoffs? Absolutely. No, I think we should move towards stolen bases. I think that's a a bigger question of what we do to the sport to make that a thing, because I guess... You know, in the game theory of the sport, we've decided it's not worth it mathematically, but the stolen base is the best. And I think the reason it does come alive in the playoffs a little bit more, and I think this was also a separate grievance, um, but the reason it does come alive in the playoffs a little bit more is because you have that small ball and you need to kind of generate those runs in a more authentic way. But over the course of 162 games, you know, a lot of if you just think your guys are going to get hurt or, you know, you don't like the way the run expectancy graph looks. You know, it's just, that's the way it is now. Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and just jump ahead to AADPS, Red Sox fans, uh, grievance. Stealing a base is one of the gutsiest, exciting things you can do in baseball, but the sport is trending away from it. I get there's the risk of injury, and it's more efficient to not steal. But as someone who grew up with Ricky Henderson and Vince Coleman absolutely terrorizing the base paths, it pains me to see the trend fading. I think that's a valid grievance, and... Uh, I think what what it sounds like is even though we think there are bigger grievances, we kind of agree with Modog's grievances as well, that the new Casey jerseys aren't the best. The downtown stadium might not be the best. And of course, uh, Nime is going to censor all of this out because uh, he is a Cardinals fan, but fuck St. Louis is a grievance we can agree with. So... All right, so I agree with that stolen bases. Uh, I am really interested to see as the CBA discussion, which is, let's, okay, I'm just going to say, spoiler alert, the biggest grievances around are dealing with the uh, lock lockout, which I think we can all agree is a valid grievance to have that the owners are locking out players right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm interested to see what rules change around stolen bases because it sounded like there were some in the minors um, uh, a few episodes ago, we talked with a couple of the Rays minor leaguers and got their opinion on some of these rules. Um, and I, I, I would love to increase some stolen bases and see how we can do that. So um, a- anything else on, on those before we move on here? Get more bases. Stop being a wuss. All right. That's a good uh, take. <laughs> here we go. Uh, so I'm going to split this one up from uh, Mr. Dave, another Royals fan here, uh, because I feel like there are just a number of grievances, and I think we can just rapid fire them as we go through. Um, so I'm just gonna I'm just gonna read a sentence, and then Maz, Shane, I want uh, first Maz, then Shane, I want you to either say valid or disagree. 
uh, with these grievances, and we're just gonna gonna hit them real fast here from this one comment that is full of angst and anger. All right. Oh yeah. Number one, M- Rob Manfred is a cancer on the game of baseball. Uh true. <laughs> Very valid. Jade Ortiz getting a pass for PED use while Bonds and Clemens might not get inducted is BS. Again, true. I hate the whole PED argument, but sure. All right. Turning in a blank Hall of Fame ballot should get any future voting privileges revoked. Uh, mostly negative, but true to an extent. Uh, I don't think it's true on in principle. I think if you have a Hall of Fame ballot where there are no Hall of Famers, you can turn in a blank ballot. But I don't think that's ever really been true in the history of ever. So I guess it's BS. There you go. Yes. Ooh, yeah, that's that's uh, that's kind of my thought is that uh, it's on principle. No, I, I disagree with this grievance on principle. However, at this point in time, I can kind of agree because I think there are some Hall of Fame worthy guys on the ballot. So. All right. Uh, the focus on the three true outcomes in the game is boring as F. I agree. This goes back to the stolen base conversation a couple minutes ago. So, yes, I agree. Yes, baseball's better when everything can work. And the DH. Uh, no. Get rid of it forever. Huh? Oh, What's interesting is this is an AL fan saying ban the DH, and uh, Maz is a NL fan here. And mm-hmm. usually it falls pretty much along uh, league lines here for, for fans. I think, I think the system that we have now is good, so I would not ban the that's DH, fair. period. That's fair. You can keep it in the AL. Like I think that's part of what adds what makes baseball fun is the different dimensions. Yeah, and then finally another F Rob Manfred to finish it all off. So I uh, agree. Yep. <laughs> all right. Uh, this next one comes from a user that if you spend time at the sub, you have probably seen them. If you ever browse the new queue, you have definitely seen them and some of their takes. Uh, the the grievance is simply people here. I'm guessing they're talking on the subreddit are obsessed with war to the detriment of other parts of the sport sometimes, and it pisses me off to no end. Valid grievance or not? Not a valid grievance, because when you have such a clear-cut best stat in the game, like war is with baseball, then you should use it. Yeah, if you don't like war, like my what I always tell people is just go to the Fangraph page that tells you how the whole calculation works, look at it, look at how it includes basically everything and realize that it is the most inclusive stat and the best single thing you can refer to and just know that. It, any, in, any argument involving stats in baseball requires a little bit of nuance and that part's hard. So I recognize that sometimes it can be annoying that people can just cling to war numbers and say this number is bigger than this number, therefore this guy's better. But the reality is it just is all-encompassing. It's the best thing that we have if you can only refer to one thing. And I think that it's, people are going to use it. But see, they disagree right now on some some players. They really disagree. There's there's two different versions. That's well, nuance you're talking about, right B-war. there. Correct. Yeah, and then there's uh, warp, which Baseball Prospectus uses. And ah, right, right, right. The, but nobody else big, uses. The big <laughs> question is: Well, that's because it's proprietary, so you can't just slap it on wherever you want. Uh, I'm not going to walk <laughs> around quoting warp on any comment. <laughs> uh, listen, I mean, it's it's. 
it's complicated. There is nuance with it. I, you know, I mess around a lot. Uh, my best friend, Brian, shout out if you're listening to this, probably are, uh, tells me all the time in real life that, like, why do you love war so much? And, you know, what does it even mean? And, like, blah, 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 blah. And it's like, you know, okay. It really is, like Shane said, an all-encompassing stat, which is the best. But, okay. Yeah. No, it's not the end-all, be-all of stats. I will admit that. But, People on the sub being too obsessed with war to the detriment of other parts of the sport. That's the part where I I don't think anybody who's serious about baseball and analyzing baseball thinks war is legitimately the end all be all stat and nothing else matters. Yeah, I uh, I think it's it's pretty clear if like everything's in agreement, there's there's very little discussion to be had. I think there's something to be said about understanding the differences in calculations and what goes into that. But I don't think it is quite to the level. I feel like I see more people complaining about the obsession with it than I see actual instances of people clinging to it with no nuance. Um, that I agree with. I, I think True. I think if there's someone who appears to be clinging to it with no nuance and you actually present a statistically backed argument about why it might be off, like say why these like for instance when Phillies pitchers yeah like when when the Phillies pitchers look so good you say well that's because the defense might be really bad but it's not so bad that it's making the pitchers that good like if you can go back and say no this is why it's this is why it's off that's perfectly valid to go up and, and criticize it I 100% agree but if you're just dismissing it offhand because you don't agree with it without having any reason to disagree with it other than my traditional stats uh yeah so okay. and also realize that whatever stat you do use if it's if you're getting it from fangraphs is probably in the fangraphs work calculation yeah, anyway it's it's <laughs> probably there somewhere <laughs> there i like stolen bases well me too they're in there it's included obviously <laughs> all right so this one uh, comes from user Real Safan. I think I pronounced that right. The fact that there are no broadcasts of Arizona Fall League games hurts my brain. Thoughts on this grievance? Dane, go ahead. I came in first on the last couple, so go, oh, okay. go ahead. I thought that's, that was our system. Uh, oh, well, I... oh. My, here's the thing. I feel about the fall league the same way I feel about spring training. Uh, when there's no baseball for a long time, I'm like, oh, ooh, ooh, I'm really excited for baseball. And then I start watching it. And then like two days later, I'm not watching it anymore. Like I will be super excited for the start of spring training this year. Like I am every year. And then it'll start and I'll watch the full, the first like week of games super intently. And then by the end of it, I don't care. Cause I just want the season to start. So like, yeah, I guess, uh, I mean, I'm a pretty diehard baseball fan. I guess there are harder fans who would watch every second of it. But it, it's with with baseball, you don't it's not as simple as just promoting the stars of tomorrow because, A, you have no idea who the stars of tomorrow are going to be. And B, you don't know when the payoff of those stars of tomorrow is ever going to actually come. So it's from that perspective, it's not as beneficial as it is when you look at something like the Rising Stars game in the NBA, for example. Um, but, you know, it's I, more baseball is always good, right? Yeah, totally. I think- I- I think it's there's no reason not to have these games broadcasted, really. Like, enough people will watch it, I feel like, right? This guy seems really, or this woman or person, seems really passionate about it. So, 
Heck, there's got to be some more of them out there, right? So I guess my my only so my question with it is like, what games are you talking about with the Arizona Fall League? Because here's the thing. The Arizona Fall League starts in October, like October 13th, the first day of the season. And it like the entire month of October, there are playoff games almost every night. So, no, I don't think there's going to be anyone tuning in to Arizona Fall League games because anyone who's a dedicated enough baseball fan to watch the Arizona Fall League in the first place has already watched all of the wildcard games, all the division round games, and is enjoying the championship round, uh, championship series, and the World Series. And look, I love baseball. I am excited to watch more Dominican Winter League ball. Uh, the playoffs start uh, start uh, today. If you're listening on Monday, playoffs start today for Dominican Winter League, and apparently they're on MLB TV. That's what MLB.com uh, told me. And I'm excited to watch some of those. But you know what? Um, there's a point where I've watched enough playoff baseball and then to juxtapose that with the Arizona Fall League. Yeah, I'm, I'm probably not going to watch it. Um, and like the Fall Stars game and the championship game are both broadcast. Um, so I guess maybe a little bit of valid grievance if like maybe they could broadcast some more of the November games. But I just don't see a reason for broadcasting all the games. Even I guess that's not necessarily what the grievance state. The grievance just says that the fact that there are no televised AZL uh, Arizona Fall League games, which is which is fair enough. I but, mean, it maybe if the they Fall do Stars an occasional the championship are both televised. Th- those were both broadcast. Give them more. They want more. Okay. Give the people <laughs> what they want. Yeah. <laughs> Go for it. Uh, all right. Um, this next one I uh, included just because uh, I just wanted to to uh, talk a little bit about it and maybe clear some things up. Um, it is from More Phenomenal. It is just let me buy MLB.tv and watch my team. Don't make me use a VPN. I'm trying to give you money. You can even still show me the ads from the cable company. So um, the 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 nuance here is that the cable companies don't care about showing you the commercials, really, because they just want the subscription money. And once you throw the subscription money in, well, and it's not just like the subscription money from that one channel. It's the fact that most of these cable companies that own the sports networks have their channels bundled with other channels that people are buying. So there's a lot of money to lose. I don't know. Um like, obviously, I very much would love to just buy MLB.tv and watch my team, especially since Bally Sports Minnesota Oof. is not on anything. It's not on Dish. It's not on Sling. It's not on YouTube TV. Not on anything streaming. It's not on Dish. It's only on a few cable things. And I'm sorry, I'm not doing that. Um, luckily, the Twins were terrible there. this year. Uh <laughs> Yeah, the reality is live sports are kind of the only thing that's keeping the traditional cable model alive right now. Yeah. So anything that does that, they're going to fight for with everything they can to protect. Uh, but absolutely, I agree. I mean, from a consumer standpoint, we've all just wanted to watch something that we've had to log into some stupid app 
or that takes you to another login page where you have to link another account and I'm just trying to watch a game on my phone when I'm out. Like uh, That's part of the struggle of life. It's just mm-hmm. the stupid, dumb, there's a million contracts and they all have various restrictions and as the consumer, we just kind of get stuck with it. Yeah, I guess it it is valid, um, but I mean, it shouldn't. I think we've said it before. At least I have. Is like, shouldn't this multi-billion-dollar company be able to figure it out? Well, at this I point, think they're trying. So, so this is where um, feels like I, they've been trying for fifteen years. No, no, they because <laughs> it was just coming out like this year. Uh, Lost among all the labor talks was like MLB announcing that they are looking to bring it all into one streaming service and possibly even yeah. if the NHL, because they handled the NHL streaming uh, and NBA want to join in uh, and join together in it. And I, and that's where I feel like the, the future of it's coming. Like I, I really want, I want there to just be a direct from those three leagues. And you can even see, like get MLS on board Um I'm expecting you to be able to buy packages where you can buy. I am a Minnesota sports fan, and no matter where I live, I can pick up the Minnesota sports package through the conglomerate of leagues, and now I can watch all the Minnesota teams. I don't think they'll let you mix and match teams because that just feels like it's leaving too much money on the table, but that's where I think we're going. I think that's on the table. Yeah, I I think I've said it before that, you know, I know that there's all these different cable companies and all these contracts and everything, but, like, everybody's got billions of dollars. Like, can't we just figure this out? Yeah, I wish it it was that way, and I I hope that something does happen, but we were just talking about this on the break. Like, some of these TV contracts that these teams have are not going to end for another... 15 20 years i mean the dodgers mm-hmm, are making yeah. 239 million dollars a year from their tv deal and that doesn't end until 2038 so yeah. as long as they're raking in that kind of money from that you know why would they ever want to stop the angels are making 138 million a year from their deal and it doesn't end until 2031 the yankees 115 a year and it doesn't end until 2042 like that's it's such a big hill to to get over that i don't really know if you can do it yeah. Oh well. Uh, first world problems here with this sport, I guess. Right. right? Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> and especially when, let's face it, we live in a in a high seas pirate world where, um, and that's what I feel like. I feel like that's part of the reason why these sports leagues are like, okay, how do we, how do we keep the money, or at least keep part of the money and get through this? Because everyone's just watching, however they want, anyways. This next generation. Um, maybe ratings are down because everyone's just pirating it, just watching a stream. And that's the thing is, yeah, young people don't like the way that content, there's a, there's a giant disconnect between the way that the money is made in terms of content consumption and the way that growing the game and content consumption are connected because Mm -hmm. this method is not going to grow the game. When we talk about growing the game, we talk about younger audiences, you know, younger audiences aren't paying for cable packages they're on their phones they're watching things online they're streaming things they're watching john boy videos they're on reddit that's that's what's happening that's how they're consuming content so until you figure out a way to marry that method of consumption 
with a profitable way to broadcast your games, you're going to kind of have to keep those issues separate and it's going to come at the cost of one or the other. And money is usually never the loser in that situation. Yeah. Uh, so I think that, uh, that kind of wraps up our thoughts on, on this whole whole thing. I, it's difficult and I'm interested, especially, I mean, Shane, you're a Dodgers fan. Um, so like your team is probably poised to lose the most out of MLB deciding to like break with past deals. Yes. I mean, I don't even think, I don't even think about it like that. I suppose that's true. I guess a team that is towards the bottom of this of this leaderboard, like the Twins, who make forty three million a year from their TV deal. I guess you know, from from a business standpoint, it would be easier to convince uh, someone like that to get in on something like this. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think it's I think it's no secret that the reason the Dodgers are able to spend so much money is because they make so much money. You know, that mm-hmm. was always kind of the thing with with the Yankees was. The Yankees make the most money by so much that even if they are pouring so much money into it, like that's technically what you want them to do if you think about it. That's what you want every owner to do is to want to invest in their team. But yeah, I mean, what's the reason that we even play the games is so people can watch the games, right? Because that's what people enjoy. So anything that gets more people watching the games is is good and should be supported. It's just whenever you have this conversation, there's an unfortunate marriage that you have to do with, you know, business reality. So speaking of some unfortunate marriages, uh, I'm going to move this next grievance up next because I think I think MLB's plan uh, has to do with transitioning from a icky cable model to an icky other model and maybe not icky depending on who you are uh and this grievance is from redfish sc2 who has astros flair uh it says sports betting everywhere is ruining the viewing experience for me and my team's regional network isn't even valley um thoughts on this grievance it's it's gonna take over it's already once the levy broke it's only gonna get worse from here so buckle in. Yeah, uh, I hate it. Uh, you know, you said speaking on, you know, who you talk to about it. I hate it. Uh, I hate the normalization of sports gambling in the country. Uh, you know, I don't know if it's a world issue, but it's definitely an American issue. That's the only thing I can really speak oh, to. I but... mean, it's it's. So the reality is um, the reason it feels like an American issue is because every other country is just used to it. Oh really? Already. Is that a thing? Oh yeah. I mean, uh, we, like we mentioned earlier with esports, um, even years ago they were setting up betting uh, betting websites for esports, and it was always sorry Americans, this is for the European fans and the Asian fans um, because it's just fine there. Um, yeah, throughout England, the UK, for example, there yes. are betways on every corner. Like you yep. can walk in and place a bet on the soccer game that week. Like that's just the way it goes. Uh- Okay, and you'll you'll <laughs> but, see random posts throughout the season of some lost-looking Englishman coming on and asking a question, and everyone's like, "Well, why are you asking about this specific thing?" And the answer is almost always, "Well, I got I placed a bet on it, and I just want to know what I'm placing a bet on." Like the way it goes, yeah. Amazing. But as always, the Americans take it to the tenth degree. Like what people, what this this grievance, I I don't even think we realize how 
intertwined sports and betting are going to become. Like by the end of this, once it's legal in almost every state or every state, there's going to be on the Bally sports ticker, there's going to be a thing that says, is this batter going to strike out? And you can mm-hmm. bet in real time on like that's it's going to be everywhere all the time. And here's it's miserable. Here's the thing gross. with that, though. Um, so I don't I don't think this would go quite full circle. But um, if you're streaming the game, you're on a delay from the cable or satellite feed. And now you're betting 30 seconds later than everyone else. Um, but I think the bigger thing is, and I see this, um, ESPN, Fox Sports, the, you know, the local sports channel, let's face it, um, the reason they were so popular in the 90s and early 2000s was because you could see the top plays from every game. And that was the only place you could see it was on ESPN, on uh, the new, you know, whatever sports network or sports news that was available to you. The roundup shows. Yeah. Um, Nowadays, you just pull it up on Twitter or YouTube five seconds after it happened and you you get it. You go on any sports subreddit. Well, not any, because a lot of sports subreddits don't allow highlights. Um, But, you know, if there's an amazing double play turn where someone flips it behind their back, that's on the front page of Reddit within minute of happening you can see these highlights wherever you want so uh espn has moved and fox sports has gone to this talking head approach of people generating controversy and just talking and people are losing think that's losing its luster and uh i think some people are they're losing audience and people are tuning out so how are they going to make it up for it um if they've got the best gambling information if they've got the best tips suddenly they are must-watch TV for sports fans again and uh, can take over. If they hire the experts to give their picks, suddenly you've got appointment viewing again. And part of what's going to make it so gross just from a, from a f- watching perspective is it's going to muddy the waters for everything, for every mm-hmm. sports discussion from here on out. You've already seen it in the NFL. If you, if you look at any online discussion of the NFL, of any controversial call, it's the game is fixed. The game is rigged. People are making their money. And whether that's true or not, like it's you've now eternally put this annoying dim over your sport. That's always going to be there that people are always going to talk about. It just kind of drags everything down and it's gross. And I hate it. Well, Same I mean, thing. That's, I mean, that's when we talk about the Astros scandal, like, I, I don't want to get into that, but part of what made that such a such an issue was not only what it was in itself, but now you've ingrained that level of paranoia that this is what everyone is doing, and that's going to be a part of every conversation from here on out, and that's just the way it is. I mean, you look at uh, last Monday night, last week, Monday night football, Vikings-Bears. Vikings were up 17-3 to three in the fourth quarter. There's a minute left on the clock. The Bears aren't playing for anything. Um, you would think in most games they just kneel the ball and go home, but they went down and they kept trying to score. Why are they trying to score? Guess what the betting line was? The betting line was eight, and they were down by uh, they were down by fourteen. You score a touchdown and the extra point, suddenly you've covered. Uh, they ended up scoring on the last play of the game, which by rule does not require the extra point. So. Uh, they didn't end up covering, but that's the sort of thing where you had people watching this meaningless game 
and everyone should have been just going home and instead they're pushing the last minute of the game in a high contact sport with lots of injury risk and playing full out for that and uh that that was just kind of yeah kind of sickening uh to some extent so all right it's it's just it's terrible i don't like it um and i think it's only gonna get worse so that's that's all i have to say so i think it is a valid grievance i will say that i will sit through it if the sports betting companies are paying for this information and it means that we can cut down on commercial breaks you know, silly, oh, foolish, yeah, Lewis. Funny. You no, no, know no. that's not going to happen. I, okay, Manfred's already cut commercial breaks twice in his tenure. If uh, the really? money, if yes, twice, twice he's cut down on the length of huh. between inning commercial breaks. Um, I think there's going to be a lot more in the viewing experience. Uh, seeing as um, I don't think, I think advertisers are more and more realizing that on-field advertising means more than between-inning commercials at this point. Mm. Um, So it would not surprise me if we end up with some shortened commercial breaks to make things fit into three-hour time slots a little easier and uh, make it so that more people tune in to watch and to to actually sit through and bet. So um, I don't know. I just see in 20 years down the line we're going to have pretty short breaks between innings because they're going to have just enough time to put up the lines for the next inning. And it's going to be on the screen and I'm going to have my TV muted and I'm just going to enjoy the fact that we're still getting baseball. So, um, valid grievance, but I just see that very valid, but I just see that as the, what's going to, what the future looks like. So, um, all right. And uh, our last grievance here that we would like to talk about, we touched on it in the intro. It was rather callous of the owners to eradicate so many minor league teams in small towns. Fragrant Athlete 7738, no flair. Absolutely yeah, agree. We, we did t- yeah, we talked about it a little bit earlier and kind of uh, MLB screwing the minor leagues a little bit. But yeah, totally. Like, especially these places where it's like the only professional team for like... I don't know, you know, 20, 30 miles around. It's, yeah, that's just devastating, in my opinion. Yeah, there are some where it's a lot more than 20 or 30 miles. There's some where it's probably the only real team you can go in any direction for for quite a while. And I'm sure there's some, you know, kid somewhere that was heartbroken that, you know, the team that they had season tickets to that they would always go to that he was, that was his, you know, connection to baseball or whatever is now Mm -hmm. gone. And that's sad. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's so, the complicated nuance of it for me is that a lot of these teams did not have very good living conditions. Um, a lot of these teams didn't have very good clubhouses. And that's these, a systemic issue, though. Okay, that's that's way a systemic bigger. issue. But the fact that this team existed was mostly because the fact that there was a team there is because MLB is subsidizing it by providing players. For, for them, right? Like, True. if they could survive without subsidized, with, with, if they could survive without having to pay players, like, the the local owners of those companies, yeah, they might not be millionaires or billionaires like the MLB owners, but they were still making money because they had a contract with Major League Baseball and they didn't need to pay the players. 
And that's why they were able to make money off this baseball team. So well, that also goes right along with them constricting the draft so significantly like they did. True. True. For the MLB side. Mm-hmm. Um, but on the, the local side. I mean, I don't know the nuances of the small town ownership as much. Um, I know one, one of the interviews I'm hoping we can get in this offseason is uh, I do have a connection with the Fargo-Moorhead Redhawks, which are an American association team, independent league. Um, they make do without MLB players, but they're also in a much larger market than um, some of these teams that were lost. So, I, I mean, I think it is sad that we had to close down these teams um, but I'm not sure it's as simple as MLB is being mean for taking the team away because the I mean the team is the, the ballpark's still there, the owner is still there, all of the support staff is still there. They just don't have free players anymore. So I don't know. It's a valid grievance. Interesting, but definitely I'm, a valid I'm, grievance, though. I'm just interested. I don't know enough about the nuances of these minor league places. Um, I know for years we were saying minor leagues are a little too bloated. Um, and I, I know some people think that's just an MLB excuse, but uh, I mean, there were more teams than there needed to be, I think. Um, so it, not that that was necessarily a bad thing, but there were more teams than there were prospects and at some point, you're just diluting the talent pool that your prospects aren't getting actual at-bats against future MLB beating up on more local kids. So, I just think whether that happened in the new CBA or whatever is remains to be seen, but you, you touched on it earlier. It's really fair to identify those or to specific teams. There are players who have gone on to sign nine-figure deals who spent the first year of their life as a professional baseball player, like on a couch, eating dominoes, five times a week because that's all there is on the on the bus like just living awful gross minor league life grinding away it's it's there's a lot of things that needs to be done because part of that is is you know par for the course and baseball development but part of that is not okay and i think that teams will see the fruits of their labor if they really do invest because teams that invest a lot in their minor league development already now like the rays and the dodgers do see those kinds of benefits it's true. Very true. All right. Uh, those are the last of the grievances that I pulled from the sub here. Do you two have any additional grievances to close out of the year 2021 as this is our last podcast episode of the year um, and get ready for a fresh start in the new year with some hopeful CBA negotiations coming up? In terms of my baseball team in in particular um no <laughs> i got max scherzer i got jacob Degrom, <laughs> i got starling Marte. uh you know i have pete alonzo uh, i love these men uh i would like some more bullpen help 
and I would like some more on offense in terms of the infield as well. But other than that, I'm pretty happy. I think we covered all my grievances grievances with Major League Baseball as a whole, though, that's for sure. The only grievances I have to share are related to changing the playoff format. Don't touch the playoff format. Ooh, Leave it yeah. as it is. We Don't do anything to it. We will probably have to have a full reaction segment when that finally gets hashed out. Oh boy! Um, Don't even get me started. I'm. I they're so they're going to be expanded. That's um, just yeah, given I, at yeah. this point. I'm hoping. Can't it's, wait to talk about it and be angry about it. I hope I'm it's ready just to be twelve hurt. and not fourteen. And so, uh, yeah. So. Oh my god, fourteen, dude. All right. So just quick to, to close so things out here, because I know you guys have been sitting in suspense. The answer to our trivia question for the day: oh, Which yeah. Hall of Fame reliever? Uh, thought he was going to finish his career in Japan for the Hawks. Uh, he played there in 1990. It was Goose Gossage, Mr. Oh. Rich Gossage. He uh, played the 89 season with the Giants and Yankees, and uh, then he ended up going over to Japan for a year and uh, ended up playing there. And uh, yeah, did that for a year and then came on back and signed a deal with the Rangers and played four more seasons and finished his career with the Mariners. But yes, uh, made the Hall of Fame despite a short trip over to the Nippon Professional Baseball League. So there you go. There's our our trivia trivia question uh, and answer for the day. And hey, since we're right here and we're we're all here and this was just one giant segment, let's just roll credits, shall we? Does that sound that sound fair? <laughs> Sounds good. Yeah. It's just uh, us. Uh my name once again is Maz. I'm Shane. And I am Lewis. I am also executive producer of this podcast. I'd like to give some shout outs to our wonderful podcast admin, Christine, who is doing a lot of behind the scenes stuff, looking at interviews and uh, keeping us on track in that way. Our wonderful editor, who we have mentioned multiple times today, is Nime. He is so wonderful to put up with all of our breaks and uh, a break-in by a three-year-old to interrupt our recording session. So uh, thanks thanks for dealing with that, Nime. And our theme music, as always, is was written by Chuck Lease. Thank you, Chuck, for this wonderful riff. That uh, just makes my Monday morning so much brighter when I uh, when I pull out of the driveway and I hear that guitar riff. I'm like, yes, another week, another episode. Uh, we do release weekly every Monday at about 1 a.m. Eastern time. Thank you all for listening. And if you're still listening, that means you probably in- enjoy this to some extent uh, all the way to the end. So please go out and fill that listener survey so we know what we can continue to do and what we can do to improve. Thank you all for listening. We will see you all in 2022 with another great year of episodes. Thanks for listening.
I, I hope so. Because, uh, again, like I'm, I said, should oh, be able to figure hey, this Naz, out. Naz, uh, I'm yes. going to let oh. you come back with that. My three-year-old just walked in and oh. is uh, staring at the screen, wondering why you're not here. So I'm going to go deposit her downstairs, and then we'll uh, come back her downstairs. in. Deposit her downstairs, and we'll come back in with what you were going to say. Go for it. Go for it. Say hi. Hey. There you go, Nime. There's your outro. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.